teach an old dog new tricks. As we've been using different mics and uh, things have been different, I want to take a moment uh, to pause. I've said this before. Uh, my pastor, for most of my uh, early ministry, used to always say that we ought to give people flowers while they're living uh, so that they can appreciate them. And I want to give some flowers today. And that is, first of all, I want to give flowers to Matt and all of our praise team that have been unbelievably faithful over the last couple of months uh, in the middle of building houses and moving and uh, a pandemic. Uh, they have been meeting uh, from all their different jobs, coming every week. Nothing has changed for them. If anything, it's cramming more in. And they have been practicing, and then we have been doing worship on Sunday morning. That includes all that have done the sound uh, for Stephen and Stacy coming and making sure all that is going uh, for uh, our staff here, uh, Andrew and Michelle doing the online things. Lisa doing the online little stories have been wonderful. I thank God for our deacons who helped us provide the, this organized chaos of the chairs today. And I found it pretty cool that you can just come in and move them wherever you want. You can't do that with a pew. So I kind of like the whole chair deal. And uh, I, I'm just thankful for Eastside, whether you're sitting in one of those chairs or you're there watching us today. Uh, we know these are still unprecedented days. None of us, no one has been through this. No one. And so let us not begin even now to be critical, uh, no matter what uh, someone may think or may do. I'm very thankful for those who saw fit to come today. I'm also thankful for those who are faithful that have sent texts and said, we're not going to be there yet, but we're still going to be watching. Praise God for you. And thank God for a faithful church that has continued to give and to be uh, faithful, understanding it's not giving to the preacher or even giving to the building, but it is being obedient to the Lord in tithes and offerings. And because of that, when things begin to really loosen up, we're going to be able to go right back in to doing everything, children's ministry, youth ministry, and we look forward to that day. Amen? Thank you for being faithful in doing what we ask about keeping our distances. I honestly have not seen the first hug or the first handshake. And for, once again, an unprecedented statement as a pastor, I'm really glad to see that today. Uh, but I miss it. I've told many of you, uh, I hate family reunions. You know, I've joked, I don't like half the people I love. Uh, but the truth is, I just, I don't do family reunions. This is one I'm really enjoying this morning. And I am so thankful to be the pastor at Eastside Baptist Church and for all that entails. This morning, we're going to dive right back in where we left off the last time we were all together. I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. If you have been reading through the book of Nehemiah, 
you may have remembered we left off in chapter 6. When we did, if you read forward into chapter 7, you probably thought, how in the world is he going to preach a message out of a chapter that has 73 verses and about 3,000 names that you can't pronounce? Well, hang on, because we're going to try our best, but it's going to be chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8. You know, whether it's a pandemic, and a lot of a lot of times, you know, young kids don't understand the severity of a really tough situation in an adult's life. But what they're facing is just as real and just as serious to them at the time. And throughout our lives, we, had, we have had days that seemed like they were going to end us. That whether it was a breakup of a a sweetheart, some kind of relationship, or a bad grade, or a car wreck, or the loss of a job, whatever it may be, we've all had these days of trials. We've had days of tribulation. We see it all through Scripture. We see James talking about counting it all joy. We see Paul talking about if you suffer, suffer for righteousness' sake. Well, sometimes we don't suffer for righteousness' sake. We suffer because of sin. But regardless, suffering is going to come our way. It had come the way of Israel. And it had come that way because of their rebellion. But now they have come back in to the nation of Israel. They had come back into the land God had promised them. They have left exile. Zerubbabel came. And Ezra came. And Nehemiah came. And now God is reconstituting that people in the city of Jerusalem, that holy city. And as we continue looking at a burden to build and build what God wants in our life, we know from the first six chapters, they come in, Nehemiah, God lays this burden on his heart. He pours out before God. He weeps, he prays, and God hears his prayer, and God puts in his heart. God leads the king, and God sends Nehemiah and they build the walls. And in 52 days, they take all the rubble of that wall that had been torn down, and they put it back in 52 days. That's part of the wall right there. That's still standing 2,800 years later. So what do you do when the wall is finished? What do you do when the great things happen? It's wonderful to be back here today, but I pray this is only the start. I, listen, I like to go to the beach as much as everyone else, but I don't want to see a second wave, if you know what I mean. And I'm very thankful God's hand of protection over Evans County and over Claxton. God has really blessed us and protected us. And we want to stay smart. We want to be educated. We want to respect what is going on, but we also want to walk without fear. Now, as we look into this context today, I want us to look at the day of blessings of our burden. There's not just going to be days of heartache. There's going to be days of blessing. Today's a day of blessing. Would you say amen to that? Now, I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I can't wait to get back to church. Today's a day of blessing. Would you agree with that? Amen. amen. I, listen, 
I love my family, but it's nice to see somebody else. I know they're saying amen to that. They put up with me sitting on the back deck, and Becky's like, don't you ever go anywhere? Go somewhere. Get in your truck right around. And I've done a lot of studying on the back and uh, just being there at home, doing some things like you have. It's amazing what you can get done you've been putting off when you don't have anything else to do. But this is the day. I texted Matt this week and I said, is there any way we could start the service off with this is the day the Lord has made? And he texted me right back and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but for the last hour and a half, I've been walking around the office singing that song. God's in that. God's in that. Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will do what? Rejoice and what? Be glad in it. And I'm going to tell you, if you're glad and you're rejoicing, it will come out on your face. It will come out of your heart. It will come out in your voice. It will come out in your giving. It will come out in your service. It is truly today a day of blessing. This is the day the Lord has made. But you know, every day is like that. It's not just Sunday. Some of you may not even know this. But I shared with the deacons, they encouraged me to do so. The praise team made it possible. And we were not live last Sunday. We actually recorded that on the Tuesday before to afford me the opportunity to drive home and see my mother. The only second time I've been with my mom on Mother's Day in 15 years. That was not Sunday that we did. Philip, when we finished that day, he said, you know, I sat there during this time that we sang and we preached, and he said, I had to remind myself three or four times it wasn't Sunday. But you see, every day for a believer is Sunday. Do you know why we worship on Sunday? It's the Lord's Day. What happened on the Lord's Day? Very early in the morning, every day for a believer is Resurrection Sunday. It's a day of worship. And so as we look today, I want you to look with me in chapter 7. Verse 1, and first of all, a day of transition. This is transitioning. We've got a lot of transitioning to do, and we are flying by the seat of our pants. We're trying to do that which is the safest while going forward in faith and doing what God wants us to do. He said in verse 1, they transition because the walls are finished, the gates are done. And so, he said, now it came to pass when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. So they had people in all the positions. He said, I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them. And appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, and everyone to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not yet built. And my, my God put into my heart to gather together the nobles, the rulers, and the people. 
As we look today, we look at a day of transition. Things are different. You know, things were different after 9-11. If you flew on an airplane prior to 9-11 and you have flown since, you know it is drastically different. I was sharing with my kids, uh, I think, when we flew to Guatemala last year, and I said, you know, I, I can remember in the armrest when there were ashtrays. And then when they outlawed smoking on the plane, they glued them all shut. Now there's no ashtrays in the armrest. But I, I remember when they did that. I remember when they smoked on planes and then when they glued them shut. Things have changed drastically. You never had to take your shoes off to go through the, the uh, line to get on a plane. And now it's, I mean, it's like trying to get into the CIA to get on a plane, which is good. It protects us. But it's because of what has happened. It's a day of transitioning. Now, as we look at this, as we transition from the walls being built, it is now from rebuilding walls to rebuilding spiritual foundations. They're back in the city where they're to worship. They're back where the temple has been built or the foundations and the wall are being put up. And I want us to understand something today as we come here in person. Programs and process are important as long as people are the focus. You hear what I'm saying? Programs, whether it's youth camps or whether it's choir or whether it's congregational coming together like this, which is biblical, but programs and process, we don't have bulletins. Don't know if we'll ever have bulletins again. We're not passing the offering plate. You will give as you go out or mail it in, however you see fit, but it's different. The ushers are not walking up and down and we're not shaking hands. The process is different. Programs and process are important as long as people are the focus. Jesus died for people, not places and programs. Amen? Jesus died for people. Understand, a day of transition means there, it's a day to lead. Nehemiah had led, but he, said he couldn't do everything. So he took his brother, Hananiah, and he took this ruler who was a man of leadership a man of faithfulness, Hananiah, and he took these men and he put them in a place to do what they needed to do. Thank God at Eastside we have leaders. It's a day to lead, church, not just whether you're on staff at the church, but wherever you go, in your home, on the job, on the phone, on social media, it is a day to lead. And so we must be ready to lead when it's time. We have a lot of young people. We have those who are graduating or have graduated high school. And whether you walk uh, through a process or not, you will graduate. My daughter has graduated or will graduate June 13th. We're having graduation at Truett McConnell. But you know, you don't stay in school forever. Once you graduate, it's time to go to work. It's time to do things. As we grow in our faith, it's a time to lead, and we need to be ready to do that. These men had done, they had led their families on the wall, but it's now time to transition into leadership in a spiritual realm. It's a day to serve. These men served, not just Nehemiah, 
they understand and understood when Nehemiah came, said, Hananiah, I need you to do this. Hananiah, I need you to do this. This ruler, that ruler, porters, all of you, when he called them in, he says, God needs you. And here's the deal. They understood they were not serving Nehemiah. They were serving God. Churches get into a bind when they think they're serving a pastor. Either they put him up too high and he falls off or they put him too low and they don't see him in his position. Regardless, we put men where they don't belong. We must keep our focus as the music said today. It's all about the Lord. I love the song with all the words. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7. It just, it's a running sermon is all that song is. It goes through the scarlet thread of redemption at who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what he's doing today. I love it. The victory is Christ. It's a day to lead. Be ready. It's a day to serve. Be humble. Be ready to serve. We have church members who have gone to the schools and helped pack food and take it out to those children who do not have what we have. I thank God for people who have served. Joellen has served faithfully the church through all this. Bridget has served faithfully through all this. Many others in so many other ways have been so faithful through what we're going and continue as we go forward. We're making plans, church. We're not going to wait. We're going to make plans and then see. You say, when we're going to start Sunday school? Don't know yet. We pray it be soon, but I can't give you a date. What about Wednesday night? Not sure about that either. But I pray we are able to do it pretty soon. As we, can, we start this, we'll start one step at a time. Remember, we're not going to go off half-caught. We're going to go, we pray faithfully and wisely, step-by-step, step, to protect one another, but also in obedience to the Lord. We want to serve. And that's what God has called us to do. But second of all, it's a day of worship. Aren't you glad to be here to worship with your brothers and sisters? Man, to see the smiles, to get the elbow bumps. All right, so nobody shook hands. We've not had a time of fellowship. So I want to do something, all right? So right now, I want you to all stand up because in a minute we're going to read where they all came together and they stood up. Ezra is now called to preach and he stands behind a pulpit of wood and he has all of God's people stand up. Now this is what it says that they raised their hands in worship. So this is something I want to do. Timmy, not yet. All right, this is what I want us to do so we'll feel kind of relieved. Some of the kids asked their parents, said, can I hug Brother Matt? And I hate that we weren't able to, but we did get the elbows and we got the big smiles. But right now, we've not seen, for the most part, we've not seen each other. And so I want to do a waving welcome. How about that? Where we are lifting our hands before the Lord in thankfulness, right? But also to acknowledge that God has been good to all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want you to just right now look at your brothers and sisters in the eyes, look at them, wave and say, hey, man, I'm glad to see you. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. I told you it's a day of transition. All right, as you remain standing.
This is a day of worship. He said in chapter 8, And all the people, how many? All the people gathered themselves together as one man, as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate. From the morning, all you clock watchers, he read from morning until midday before the men and the women. And those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I want us to see today as we transition, the blessings of our burden is there's going to be days. There's going to be days that mama warned us about, but then there's going to be those days where we mark down as stellar days, where we mark them on a calendar and we circle them and we say, man, what a day. You have those days, right? Mine, mine is August 9th, 1972. Mine is December 1983. Mine is September the 23rd, 1989. September 14th, 1997. November 4th, 1999. January 1st, 1984. January 1st, 2012. All those days mean something. The day I was saved, the day that I was called to preach, the day that I was married, the day my children were born, the day I preached my first message, the day I preached my first message at Eastside. All those days mean something. They're glorious days. May we mark down in our calendar, May 17th, 2020 was a great day of worship. It's a day to unite. He said in verse 1, the people gathered themselves together as one man. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 said it this way. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into that one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. It's not up to us to tell people what God wants for their life specifically. That's God's call on their life. God has done it specifically. And he said, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. You see, it's a day to unite together. This is not a day of fussing and fighting and confusion. I have seen everything you can imagine. I've been on 
all the Zoom calls that I ever want to be on. I've been on them with the Georgia Baptists. I've been on them with the governor's office. I've been on them with Tattnall Evans. And they've been very encouraging. There's times of prayer, times of discussion. How are you dealing with it? What are you doing with it? And it's helped one another. But I kind of like the personal touch. I like being able to be live, don't you? I like to see it and experience it. But here's the deal about that Zoom call. It reminded us we're all in this together. Serving together. Let us not be negative. I don't know anybody here that has. But I'm telling you, there are people who are much more afraid than you are. Don't give them a hard time. Pray for them. There are people that you think ought to be more afraid. Don't give them a hard time. Pray for them. Because the Bible tells us even in Romans, that some eat meat and some don't eat meat. But whether you do it or don't do it, you do it unto the Lord. We all have our own way of doing things, the way we see fit. Now, anyone who spends their time in Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart, but still don't understand coming to church, but will wait in line, then there may be a problem there. We need to keep our priorities right. And be united as one man, encouraging one another in that unity. Whether it's personal family, church family, whatever it is, we work together. Do you realize that in World War II, one of the reasons that we were able to see victory against that axis of evil in Italy, Germany, and Japan was the fact that one of our allies was Russia, the Soviet Union. Now, as soon as Berlin was taken, Hitler was dead, and Germany surrenders, Russia became our arch enemy and still is basically today. But during that span, we were literally allies. It's amazing what we can get done when we work together. Amen? It's a day to unite, but it's a day of understanding. Look at verse 2. Ezra brought, the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women. When we speak, let us not say, well, I know what the Bible says, but. No, just say what the Bible says and leave it alone. But make sure when you say it, you say it in context. The priest knew what to say and where to say it, and he read from the law of Moses. And he did so before everyone that all could hear with understanding. You see, a day of worship is a day of understanding. What are we trying to understand? Number one, we've got to understand who God is. God's the lawgiver, not Moses. Moses was one just like an author of a New Testament epistle, just like Paul or Peter. God gave. Now, Moses was special, of course, God used him in a very special way. But Moses needed the Lord just like you do. Remember, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. And it wasn't because he threw the Ten Commandments down. It was because he struck a rock that God said, speak to. It's a day of understanding what does God want from us? In this world today, are we looking how we can just get through it? Or are we looking how we can thrive 
because of it. It's all in perspective, right? He said to those who understand with their hearing. When we focus on who God is, the focus, the focus is all about Him. And our focus of worship should always be on the Lord. Not on how good we sing, even though we've got some of the best there is. We just do. That's not prideful, that's just fact. People who can play, people who can sing, Man, we are so blessed at Eastside to have what we have. People who are using God-given ability to do what God's called them to do. And I'm thankful for every one of them. We're thankful that God is the one who did it. You see, the moment that we start thinking it's our ability is the moment it starts being about us and it's not worship anymore. If anything, it's self-worship. We see plenty of that in the world. We need to understand in this day that worship is about looking with our focus on God and who He is, who He knows. He knows everything, right? God knows. What are you going through that nobody else in this world knows? God knows. God knows. He knows you. He knows me. He knows the world. Do you think this thing snuck up on Him? Let's think back. Do y'all remember Y2K? I lived 25 miles from downtown Atlanta. Becky and I worked in a very congested area, Marietta, and I was working for myself again, and so I was driving all over uh, the metro area, Cobb, Douglas, Paulding, Fulton, DeKalb, uh, Gwinnett, doing jobs around there, and they said, look, everything's going to shut down. They said, I can remember a piece of paper they sent out. They said that at 11 o'clock at night would be traffic just as bad as 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning in downtown Atlanta. They said all our computers are going to quit because they were going to freak out. Y'all remember that? We got through it, didn't we? I don't know that any computers really crashed. The only thing was we had to throw away a lot of stationery that had 19 and then blanks behind it. And then we had SARS epidemic, right? And then all over the course of years, we had 9-11 and the terrorists. And then we had Ebola. And then we had E. coli. And then we had Zika. And then we had this, and then we had that, and we had Saddam Hussein, and we had Osama bin Laden, and we had financial crises of 2007 and 2008. We're never going to come out of this. And we've had scare year after year. But actually, it's not about year after year. It's new cycle after new cycle. Because what are they going to do? on CNN and Fox? What are they going to do on ABC, CBS, and NBC? Are they going to get on there and say, listen, we're just going to have a time. We're going to show some nature scenes and refresh you today because nothing bad's happened. No, if they can't find something, they'll make it up. We know that happens right here in our own little small town. But I want you to understand God knows the world and God knows every situation in it. God knows how many true cases there are and how many there aren't. 
God knows all out. Get this now. This will bless your heart. God doesn't just know us. God just doesn't know just the world. God doesn't just know all situations. God knows all the outcomes. So right now, while you're fretting and wringing your hands, what's going to happen? God hasn't worried one second. God's in control. Did you hear what Elaine and Philip just sang? Paul got on his face three times. And as Dr. Stanley used to say, they were not three bullfrog prayers. Bullfrog prayers are where you hop down, hop back up. He got on his face before God and he poured out his heart because this thorn in the flesh was driving him insane. It was bothering him. When it says the messenger Satan was buffeting him, there in the original language means that literally it was like somebody balling up their fist and just pounding on him day after day after day. And he pleaded with God three times that God would remove it. God didn't say, yes, Paul, you have been faithful. And if you serve the Lord, everything will go right. I'll take it away. God didn't say that. God didn't say, no, you've done a lot of bad things, and I'm just going to tell you no this time. It's just a hard pass today. Paul, you're going to have to deal with it. Suck it up. He didn't say that. Matter of fact, God sent his son personally. There, you're reading through 2 Corinthians, and all of a sudden, if you don't have a red-letter Bible, you need to get one. All of a sudden, reading through, looking at black ink, black ink, page after page, you turn to chapter 12, and there, verse 9, chapter 12, it leaps off the page in red, and Jesus says these words, My grace is sufficient. For my strength, he said, is perfected in your weakness. We need to understand God knows all the outcomes. But then, get this. Did it feel good to get up and put Sunday clothes on? I was starting to wonder if we was going to be like school and have pajama day. Dana threatened it. Listen, We've had to kind of get back. I love, I've got a picture of one of our church members where he's got his dog sitting in his lap and the dog's watching better than most people. Dog staring. I guess I that's my dog language. But you know, I've been anticipating and I, I was just so excited to stand out and see the cars begin to pull up because I've not really talked to many. I didn't know who was coming. Today's a day of victory. Said in verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood all these guys with big names that you can pronounce when you get home. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. In verse 6, it said, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You see, today is a day of victory. And victory always, always, always comes through obedience. 
Now, it doesn't mean you won't have heartaches in the midst of obedience, but I can assure you as a believer, you're not going to have victory unless you are obedient. We're not obedient to get something. We're obedient because of who he is. That's what lordship is about. That's what being a servant is about, being a steward. We are to be obedient because he's God and we're not. This is a day of victory, church. And in this day of victory, it's always, always coming through obedience. First of all, we see in these verses I just read, their praise. They came together and praised the Lord. He opened the book in the sight of all the people in verse 5, for he was above all the people. And when he had opened it, all the people stood up. Respect for the word of God. It begins right there with the word of God. But then in verse 8, we see that it comes not just through praise, but through preaching and teaching. He said in verse 8, So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense. It's not just to be off the cuff. Well, I had a thought. We ought to be, pre be prepared. We ought to dig deep in the Word of God. And he calls them to understand the reading, preaching, and teaching. We have some of the finest Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, youth and children's ministers that there are. And the reason I know that is they're in the Word and they're on their face before God. If we're going to experience a day of victory at Eastside in our families, then we ought to be about praise and we ought to be about proclaiming the precious Word of God. We're here today because of it. We go out into the world because of it. We believe in Jesus because of it. It is the very word of God. But then in verse 9, the day of victory and obedience <clears throat> will come through repentance and reflection. It said in verse 9, Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha and Ezra, the priest, of the, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. I don't know about you, but there's times I've been reading through the Word of God, and it was so convicting, I wanted to skip it, and God says, no, don't go read anywhere else. You go back there, and you read that before you read anywhere else. And in our lives, I don't know what the last two months looked like in your life, but even prior to that, there may be something that you stand in unrepentant sin that you can't walk in full obedience because of something that's standing between you and God. Or you're reflecting back at what God has done and where God has brought you. In a time of victory, we ought to always acknowledge God got us here, nothing else. I want to remind everybody that's saved here today, I want to remind you of one thing. You didn't save yourself. No matter how long you've been saved, you were lost one time and without the grace of God and the Lord saved you. Don't ever forget. May we be reminded. And when we are, there will be a day of rejoicing. He said in verse 10, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, 
saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. All the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Today's a day of rejoicing, church. It's a day of rejoicing. Every day that we breathe is a day of rejoicing. If you know Jesus, it's a day of rejoicing. So, as we close, I want you to understand in the blessings of our burden, it's not just a day of transition where we're moving from one one phase of our life to another. Whether it's moving from elementary to middle or middle to high school or high school to college or college to the workforce or moving toward marriage, whatever it may be, whatever we're facing through this pandemic, it's a day of transition. We need to be ready to lead. We need always to be faithful to serve. It's a day of worship as we must be united in worship. It's also a day of understanding that this is His day. This is the day the Lord has made. But never miss out on the fact that God has given you another day, and in that it's a day of victory. No matter how hard your day is, if you go to bed and you get up the next morning, it is by the blessings of God that He has given you. And I want you to understand something. These days doesn't always come easy. Doesn't always come easy, does it? There's hard days. There's hard days in school. There's hard days in marriage. There's hard days on the job. There's hard days in church. But you know what? Willingness equals worship. When we're willing to be what God wants us to be, it equals worship. Because we're saying, you're God. It's all about you. May I be found faithful. Listen, there's going to be hard days, past, present. Some of us are facing hard days today. There are those who are sick. Those who we have are friends and family who are in hospitals. Church members today that are very ill. Doesn't always come easy. Remember what they went through to get to this day. They'd worked hard, hadn't they? Young people, you're not entitled. God doesn't owe you. Your parents don't owe you anything but love. You don't, you're not owed what all your friends have. I learned that the hard way. I couldn't understand why I couldn't have a motorcycle and all the things like everybody else. My daddy made it very clear. Your name's Brady. You're not everybody else. You are who you are. Be thankful for who you are. Stop trying to be what everybody else is and just be what God has called you to be. It will not always be easy. It's going to be a hard work. This is going to be a hard work transitioning back in to church the way we've done it. But some things we don't need to keep doing the way we've always done. But I want you to notice Days of victory will always come through a rock-hard faith. It said, he read to those that understood. Do you understand that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you understand God is all, the end all? God knows, God does, 
God always has been and God always will be. Moses says, who do I say sent me? God says, I am. Now I want you to think about that this afternoon. And I want you to say it. God is I am. And you'll notice, say it tomorrow. Say it Wednesday. Say it Friday. Every moment of every day you say it, God is always present tense. For he's God. Right now, once again, as we transition, we're going to have a word of prayer in closing. Now, this word of prayer is a time to invite you right where you sit to ask God, is my heart right with you? Imagine yourself, you're sitting here before a pulpit of wood designed in the form that represents what our Savior did for us being crucified on a cross. And you're saved, and you know without a doubt you're going to heaven. But if you went today, are you ready? In the sense of you're right where God wants you to be. It says they were grieved when they heard the word of God. And they said, the grieving, repent and get past it, reflect and be thankful. And right now you just need to say, thank you, God, for watching over me. Thank you, God, and I pray that you'd forgive me and cleanse me and make me to be what you want me to be. Increase my faith. But maybe you're lost here today and you don't know Jesus. It's time to cry out, Lord, save me. Today, on your own, nobody else around you, because it's between you and God. Mama can't save you. Daddy can't save you. Your grandparents, your preacher, nobody can save you but Jesus. May that be your prayer today. So I'm going to pray, and when I do, this will be our closing prayer, but please don't move, because then we're going to dismiss, as I announced, uh, very organized the best we can, just so that we continue to respect and, and do the best we can to love on each other by keeping the, our social distancing. But right now, COVID-19 can't stop our hearts from being united together. So would you bow your head? And pray with me today, Father in heaven, thank you that you've brought us here today. God, in some ways it seems like it's just been a week or two. In other ways, it seems like it's been years. But you're still faithful. And we're here not to prove a point. We're here to worship. This is all about you. I pray you'd forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, make me what you've called me to be. Lord, that I may honor you as Lord and Savior. And I pray for my brothers and sisters knowing uh, and not knowing what they're going through. God, you know. And I pray for encouragement and strength. Lord, increase our faith to share who you are with others. This is an unprecedented time for us to share the gospel with others. For those who are watching online, I pray, God, you would bless them today, encourage them. Lord, may we all be able to see each other again soon. But especially at this moment, I want to pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that is never outside the reach of your spirit, Lord, that they know they have never prayed a prayer of repentance, said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I will die without you. And I ask you, Lord, to come and forgive me and save me today. I pray that be their prayer. 
Lord, they can't just repeat some words after me. They must say it from their heart and ask you to forgive them. Ask you to save them. I pray, Lord, that they would take that step today. Lord, thank you again for today. Bless our week and bless Eastside and watch over our country. We pray today together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.